This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And our sponsor here on The Blaze is American Financing. Being fiscally responsible is really important if you want to have flexibility and even a little comfort in your life. Uh, sometimes... It's not enough on its own. Good news is American financing can help you bridge the gap between you and financial freedom. I urge you, please, if you have high interest credit card debt, all credit card debt is going to become very high interest soon um, and it will crush you. It will just crush you. Please, if you have um, any equity into your home right now, now is the time to use that. Uh, It's better to pay 5% interest uh, and pay those things off than it is to pay 20, 21, 25. God only knows what it could be in the future. American financing could help you do this. And also you could skip up to two mortgage payments and close in as little as 10 days. Don't do anything stupid. Listen, take their advice, search it out, do your own homework. American financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, or go to AmericanFinancing.net. Answers, finally some answers, next. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Last night, I did a special uh, on the coming energy crisis. We're already there. Um, Europe is ahead of us. And what's coming in Europe this winter is not good. And everyone seems to be doubling down on this bad idea of, hey, let's shut everything off, you know, because the magic uh, green fairy is going to throw some grow some uh, dust on us and we're going to have all the electricity we need. It's not going to work. So what can you do? Because you're not powerless. Answers. Answers. In 60 seconds. Sandra wrote in about her experience with Relief Factor. She says, I was having trouble sleeping for a very long time. All through the night I would wake up in pain and my joints ached uh, all over pretty much every night. I tried a lot of things. Nothing was working and I was getting pretty desperate. Then I tried Relief Factor, and after a couple of weeks, my pain just started melting away. No more trouble sleeping now. Thank you. Sandra, thank you so much for uh, writing in. And I know when you say you've tried everything, you think you've tried everything. 
and I know you get to the end of that road where you're like, I just, I'm just, I'm going to live with it. Don't. Please try this. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more month after month. It works. Relief factor. hits. Uh, it's not a drug, but it, it hits your inflammation from four different angles. That's why if ibuprofen's never worked for you, and it's never worked for me, that's why this may work for you. It, it hits it in many different ways because all of our bodies are different. Three-week quick start. Try it for three weeks. If it's not working for you within three weeks, stop taking it. 1995, the three-week quick start just for you to try it out. Take it as directed. It is relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or call 800, the number four relief. Relief Factor, feel the difference. So last night, I uh, I laid out kind of a, a bleak uh, look for the future of energy, and I don't think most people understand uh, we don't need just the energy to run things now. We need much more energy to run the technology of the future. Uh, and Alex Epstein is with us. He is from the Center of Industrial Progress founder and president and also the author of a book you must read. It's Fossil Fuel. Uh, and he's come equipped with um, some real solutions to our energy problem to be able to stave it off. And really all you need is support from the American people, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the great thing about energy is there's all the potential to produce low-cost, reliable energy for billions of people in thousands of places. There's no, there's no physical resource deficit for doing this, and there's no knowledge deficit. Human beings know how to produce reliable electricity, right? We know how to produce energy on a scale of billions of people. We're just being prohibited from doing it right. politically, which means that there is a political solution if we are liberated to be able to do it. So we have, uh, I, I mentioned that in uh, Colorado, I mean, people who have these smart thermostats have said for a while, don't do now, that. That's, that's a euphemism. Yeah, I know. Um, in Colorado, they had to, they lost control of their thermostats. Uh, and I mentioned that and said, you know, if that, if your right to touch your thermostat is only worth $25 a year to you, good luck. Um, but, People are bashing back saying, well, that's because the coal power plants, uh, plants went down, uh, and, you know, and it was an emergency at the coal fire plants because coal is just not stable. Yeah, we're really in this Orwellian world, right? I mean, like the Inflation Act is called the Inflation Reduction Act. Right. right? Freedom <laughs> right. is slavery and right. uh, and uh, coal is unreliable and solar and wind right. are reliable. Right. Right. Despite the obvious. Yeah, I mean, what they they always point to, they did this with the Texas blackouts too. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll point to some individual failure of some fossil fuel plant mm -hmm. and then say, oh, well, this inherently doesn't work. But we know that we can produce reliable electricity with fossil fuels because we've been doing it for generations and we've done it in all weather conditions. You can I, do it when it's really cold, when it's really hot. So you know that uh, if a fossil fuel plant fails, that's just something about the specific situation. That's Correct. not the technology. Or with solar and wind, they do not produce electricity most of the time. Right. And you can't rely on them almost any time. That's the basic nature of them. And part of what happens when you see fossil fuel failures is often they have to account for the intermittency of solar and wind. So they have to cycle up and down or be shut down and restarted more, much more than they would be if they were on their own. And um, or what happens is they'll get defunded the way the whole subsidies work, Correct. which we just expanded, unfortunately, is that they defund reliable power plants, including things like weatherization, say, for natural gas in Texas. So 
we know that we can, again, we have all the ability to produce reliable electricity at low cost. We're just not using it because of political factors. Okay, so let's go over your five-point plan. So this is, I call this the Energy Freedom Platform, and I I encourage politicians of all parties to adopt this. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, right now, Democrats are not being very good in terms of energy. They almost all Hmm. supported the Inflation Act. I think Mm -hmm. basically all of them did. And by the way, I played the audio uh, from a uh, an activist group that was in part of the, a part of this inflation reduction uh, bill, and they admitted, and they were talking to their own supporters, and they're like, "Look, it's not about inflation; it's really a green bill," which we all kind of knew if you were paying attention. It's a green bill. It's stuffed with stuff about green energy. Yeah, and we could talk about how. I mean, I consider that a four step recipe for destroying American energy, basically, because just very quickly. So it involves increasing dependence on unreliable electricity if you want to destroy american energy that's a good step one right step two is add taxes and restrictions to fossil fuels during fossil fuel shortages mm-hmm. that's a good that's a good step too um what were the other steps i mean it's it's so bad oh yeah increase the power of the epa to shut down fossil fuel projects we need more Which of that done. obviously and then increase the power of environmental justice activists to stop all energy development and you just uh, they've done that through the doj now yeah so they have they have this four-step thing which if you were trying to just destroy American energy, it's hard to think of a better plan. So let's talk about how to improve American energy with the Energy Freedom Platform. So I'll give the five, and then we can go into depth in any one of them, okay? Mm -hmm. So number one is liberate responsible uh, development. Mm -hmm. Number two is end preferences for unreliable electricity. Hmm. Number three is reform air and water emission standards to incorporate cost benefit analysis. This is a really important one for EPA stuff. Number four is liberate uh, is rather reduce emissions long term through innovation, not through punishing America, through liberating innovation, not through punishing America. And then number five, which I know you'll be sympathetic to, is decriminalize nuclear energy. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> so we can talk about any of those, okay, but so they're let, all let's, crucial. Let's let's just take them one by one. Real okay. Quick. Um, first one. So liberate responsible development energy inherently involves developing the world around us Mm -hmm. and yet we have an anti-development movement that is setting energy policy and running many of these agencies so there's opposition to development even in the investment world but in particular just all these anti-development policies that are restricting fossil fuel development nuclear development etc so this is like esg is a good example well esg is a kind of quasi political but if you just look at how difficult it is if you take nuclear like how difficult it is to start a nuclear plant you know it used to take four years now it takes 16 years part of that is you have these anti-development so-called green activists who can stop things on a dime so Mm -hmm. you really need our policies that are fundamentally pro-development and that they they're responsible development in the sense of they they try to stop endangerment so you don't want to endanger local people or endanger some national treasure but you can't have the idea that it's wrong to develop nature and that that terrible anti-human idea is at the root of so many of our laws and policies so if if when i go into the details if people go to energytalkingpoints.com you'll see there's a lot of specific policies that need to be reformed that are anti-development right now all right number two so is is um end end preferences for unreliable electricity And, and on that website there's something called electricity emergency which goes into the details but basically right now we do three things we have mandates for unreliable electricity we prefer them in that way many states have those like my state of california unfortunately has those we have subsidies which we just expanded under the inflation Mm -hmm. act right so we did that 
And then the most insidious that people don't know is that we have very unfair pricing because there is no cost penalty for selling unreliable electricity into the grid. Now you think about that. Imagine you had a car company and you got to change charge the same for a car that worked a third of the time and a car that works all the time. Wow. That's that but that's how the grid works. You get the same amount for selling unreliable electricity as reliable electricity and actually you get more because all the subsidies we have that we just extended. So you actually get paid a premium for selling something that is not nearly as valuable. And sometimes unreliable electricity is of negative value. Sometimes if you have too much electricity, you need to offload it. Uh, so it's it's this is if you pay a premium for unreliable electricity, guess what? You get reliable <laughs> unreliable electricity. <laughs> um, okay, number three. So this is this had to do with the air and water emission standards. And so right now, like let's look at what the EPA is doing. We have uh, in that article, electricity emergency. I talk about they're slated to be ninety three gigawatts of coal shutting down in terms of already announced things. That's almost mm -hmm. one tenth of a reliable capacity, That's one tenth. Craziness. This is in the next. This is by twenty thirty. But there's also the threat of 92 more. So almost a fifth of our reliable capacity, like there's a reliability bloodbath that's scheduled to happen. The lion's share of this comes from EPA policies. So it's EPA deliberately trying to do things that'll shut down these coal plants, even though, as you've talked about, there's no viable replacement in the pipeline. We're not, right. we have almost no nuclear scheduled, not nearly enough gas. So how does the EPA justify this? Well, one thing is they don't use real cost benefit analysis when they're making decisions. So they'll say like, hey, wouldn't it be great to have lower emissions? But they don't think about, well, what is the cost of that in terms of what are, what are the costs to human life of an unreliable grid? They're almost incalculable. So the EPA right. is making these decisions and they're not giving any consideration to the reliability of the grid. So you need, that's an example of where you need real cost benefit analysis so these people, with these. Is there, are there any honest people on this side? Uh, I mean, I don't understand how an honest person can look at it and not say, yeah, but this is going to make things more unreliable and people will either die from heat stroke or they will die from freezing in the winter. Uh, you know, you can't just have a, an unreliable grid like this. Is there anybody on the other side that is asking these questions? It's honest. I think one, I mean, there are some people who are really anti-energy. And yeah. so in a sense, they're honest, although they hide it from the public, but they yeah. just, they want less power. They want to de-industrialize. There's that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I think, that's... I think one of the challenges is, I talk about this in chapter one of Fossil Future, we rely on what I call a knowledge system to give us expert knowledge and guidance on all these specialized areas. Mm -hmm. And what you have is multiple of these specializations are failing at the same time, but each specialization thinks the other is doing its job. So for instance, the electricity people have been hiding the electricity emergency. They're not acknowledging it. Many of the companies have not been acknowledging it. You talk to them behind the scenes, they'll say, yeah, this is a disaster, but publicly they won't say anything. The regulators are kind of silent. And so the public thinks, oh, there's not that, there's not that big a threat. And then, you know, the EPA people, they'll distort the science about the side effects of coal and they, but they'll kind of think, oh yeah, we don't have to worry about reliability because the grid isn't saying that much. So kind of there, mm. there's this, there's dishonesty kind of everywhere, but one reinforces the other. I mean, we've got a world that thought legitimately that you could rapidly eliminate fossil fuels by 2050 and it would work really well. Like this was the mainstream view. And part of it is there's all these false views that are being combined and, and people have this idea well most people the experts so-called the, the people we're told are experts they can't be that wrong 
But, right. but they can be that wrong in part because what we're told the experts think is usually a massive distortion of what the actual researchers in a field think. Yes, that's happening with global warming all the time. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's yeah. the idea that it's the world is going to end if it gets, you know, one or two degrees warmer on, right. a, on a planet where far more people die of cold than of heat. The researchers don't think that, but that gets distorted by what I call our knowledge system to make it, oh, it's an apocalypse and you have to take a crash emergency action and destroy all your energy. And then then the planet will be nice to you and life will be great. Um, give me the fourth one. Um, so the fourth one is reduce. Low, reduce emissions long term. It's very important. It has to be long term because there's no short term reducing of emissions. That's a pipe dream. So it's reduce CO2 emissions long term by liberating innovation, not punishing America. When did we lose that in America? Lose which one? The, the idea that we innovate our way out of problems. Instead, we're just we're just dismantling everything instead of saying you know, uh, hey, we've got a we've got a uh, food storage problem. Uh, somebody comes up with the refrigerator. <laughs> you know what I mean? We we are already seeing technology that is we have reduced greenhouse gases better than anybody else. And a lot of it is because of new technology. But we just dismiss that. I think there are a couple of things going on. So one is this idea that CO2 emissions are an emergency. And when you think of something as an emergency, you need to get rid of it immediately. And if that's your view, the only thing you can do is just massively destroy human life. I mean, that's the only way you can do it. To reduce emissions now in a world where fossil fuels are 80% of the world's energy, in a world that needs vastly more energy, 3 billion people using less electricity per person than one of our refrigerators, like the world is going to be using more fossil fuels for a while. So if, if you think of it as an emergency, the world is going to end, then you are going to do these crash programs and accept these terrible consequences, which we're just beginning to see because we've only reduced fossil fuels a little bit compared to what has been asked for by World Economic Forum. Correct. And all these these other people. So one is this emergency mindset is really bad and, and it, it's not justified. We're safer than ever from climate. CO2 emissions have a warming impact and a greening impact. It's not a catastrophic impact. If you want to lower emissions, you have to think of it as a long-term thing. That's the only moral way. And it's the only practical way. China and India are not going to lower their emissions Correct. until there's a cost-effective alternative. Now, the Greens say they want cost-effective alternatives. They say they want solar and wind. But notice that their approach is to first restrict fossil fuels. I know you've talked about like, and then promise a replacement. That's Correct. not how markets work. That's not how right. freedom works. Freedom, That's not how anything have... of common sense works. You right. don't say, hey, uh, I, know, uh, I know all the machines in the hospital are keeping your, uh, your husband alive, but we're going to try something that's never been done before. So we're going to turn off all of yes. those machines and then hope that something works. That's, that's insane. But that, that has been the policy. Part of it has been disguised. So they've, they've said, to take your analogy, they've said the equivalent of, hey, we have this amazing new machine. We're developing green machines, right? But what they didn't say is their main policy is shutting down the machines that work. Like, what did Biden mm -hmm. do first, right? Shuts down the Keystone XL pipeline, bans leasing on federal lands. He didn't come up with some new energy innovation and prove it. He shut down what was what was working and that's that's the huge problem and so the approach has to be you liberate innovation so you get things like cost effective nuclear but you don't dictate inferior alternatives and call that innovation unfortunately that's what passes for innovation today and that's what the whole inflation act is about yeah. is about mandating or coercing us to using these things that don't work all right back in just a second in one minute now this is the uh, five uh, step platform however 
we need your help on this. Um, and it's a it's a real thing that could make the, the uh, a significant difference and turn things around for us. We'll give it to you in just a few minutes. Um, inflation, hyperinflation, recession, depression, the Great Reset. Man, if I read one more story out of uh, Europe talking about, well, there is a possibility of nuclear war. The world has gone insane. Finding uh, some security um, and a safe place to hide. Look, what, wherever you are is where you're supposed to be. Um, and you just have to figure out how to navigate uh, and protect your family the best way you can in case of a catastrophic, oh, I don't know, uh, energy crisis. My Patriot Supply is taking $250 off their three-month emergency food kit. Do you know what the price of groceries and the shortage of groceries would have been like if we if we hadn't have had St. Biden step to the plate and and avert this tragedy of of the Amtrak uh, strike? You you might need emergency food in situations that you cannot see coming. Please go to preparewithglenn.com. Grab your three-month emergency food kit for $250 off the regular price. $250 off today by going to preparewithglenn.com. Preparewithglenn.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. So... You are working with like a, a hundred different legislative offices, correct? Yeah, to various degrees. So, so two years ago, I was very frustrated by, I was having success with the public and I was having success in the corporate world, but the political world was just totally ignorant mm-hmm. of the, the kind of pro-human, pro-freedom energy thinking mm-hmm. I had been developing. And I figured out like the thing I could do was I needed to figure out how to give them messaging and policy in a way that was useful for them. So I started this website, energytalkingpoints.com. Like everything on that can be fit in a tweet. So it's like really efficient ways of explaining pro-freedom views. Mm. So if you go there, there's like probably thousands of individual talking points, all really well referenced. And then I found that I got demand for people to get custom help. So I, I created something called Energy Talking Points on Demand, where I'd have biweekly briefings, and it's just with high-level offices. So it's congressional offices, U.S. Senate offices, and governor's offices. And so we have about 300 staffers who are part of it, over wow. 100 offices. And increasingly, I'm meeting with the elected officials themselves. I spoke to a group of 20 last time I was in D.C. I'm going to D.C. next week. And what I found is there's a real appetite for this because many of these offices want to be pro-energy and pro-freedom, but they didn't have the messaging to to refute all the myths and also clarity on what to do going forward. And that's why I developed the Energy Freedom Platform was the clarity on what to do going forward. So what I've been encouraging them to do is, hey, you can, this is a blueprint. You can win on these issues and you can do something really good. So say Republicans, I'm not politically political really but let's say republicans right now are much more pro-energy if you guys take over congress you need to advocate something positive you can't just once you take over you can't just react to negatives there's a lot of reacting to negatives and not a clear having positive so i would ask your your listeners if they like this it's really really simple just call your office call your office Oh, you're going to say something? I've got a, I've got about 20 seconds before we break. Oh, sorry. Just just say, talk to Alex Epstein. Give them my email, alex at alexepstein.com. Just tell the office to email me, and I will set up a call with them, and I'll tell them all about how to use the Energy Freedom Platform. More on this in just a second. Stand by. The Glenn Beck Program. It really doesn't matter how much money you have or, uh, you know, your identity is is valuable in and of itself. doesn't matter. 
you should be protected from cyber criminals at all time. And cyber criminals don't just take what you have right now. They also take your credibility. They rob you for from uh, future of good credit while they're cleaning you out in the present. There are also stories about it uh, in the papers every single day. You will see more and more identities uh, taken by the underworld. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Everything we do basically is online, so we need somebody standing guard. No one can protect and prevent uh, all identity theft and protect for everything that could go wrong. However, LifeLock is your best bet. LifeLock by Norton. They have not only preventative measures to keep you safe, but access to restoration teams if you do end up having your information hacked into. So go to lifelock.com, use the promo code BECK and save 25%. Lifelock.com, promo code BECK or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK. Join one of the last digital spaces that allows free speech. This week only use the promo code GLEN20 and you'll get $20 off your subscription at blazetv.com. Everybody in the last 24 or 48 hours has started to freak out about uh, this strike of Amtrak. Oh my gosh, I have been so worried. How is how is uh, the president going to reach out to, I don't know, the unions, which he is in bed with and are responsible for everything, and Amtrak, which he has been pouring money to and wants to expand Amtrak. How is he going to reach out to the two sides and Get a deal just before the election. This is ridiculous to worry about. Last night, in just some shocking news, the president, in very late hours, might have been 4.30 in the afternoon, got out of bed and he came to the table and he said, you guys got to work this out. And so now we miraculously have been saved. Um, That's all theater. What you should worry about is what this country is doing, what our government and administration are doing right now to fuel and energy. Uh, Alex Epstein is uh, with us. He is the author of Fossil Future uh, and also the Center for Industrial Progress founder and president. Um, He has been telling us about a website that you must go to, energytalkingpoints.com, energytalkingpoints.com, and also asking for your help to call your senators and your congressmen and just flood them with this request. Will you please reach out to Alex Epstein and uh, meet with him on his five-point energy platform? Alex Epstein, and you can, the the, uh, congressman or the the, uh, senator's offices can reach him at, I can give the email address. Please do, yes. Alex at alexepstein.com. Uh, Do that now. Write that uh, email right now. Alex at alexepstein.com is the email address you send to your congressman or your senator. And please flood them. Um, okay. That makes a big difference. Thank you. So tell me, um, give me or America a look at what is really coming if we don't turn this around. I think people look at Europe now and say, gee, they're buying firewood. That's that's a real crisis. This is the this is the 
this is like a, a, a one on the Richter scale on what's coming. So, so I think the, the two things are there is a lot of hardship already yeah. that we would consider intolerable and that this hardship has come from just 1% or 2% of the agenda being implemented. So I do think I do I don't think there's enough familiarity in the US with what's been happening in Europe and there's bad. there's the consumer side and the industrial side and both of them are really really bad. I mean you see things like skyrocketing heating bills. Mm -hmm. Uh you see this with I mean it's a quasi consumer like a restaurant saying, "Hey, you know, our bills have gone up by a factor of 4." There was one that went viral on Twitter mm -hmm. and just like, "Hey, we we have a pub. How are we going to pay a bill of you know sixty two thousand pounds versus I think it was twelve thousand pounds right. or something like that? You're seeing that maybe the scariest is the industrial side. Um, to me, I mean, the consumer side is scary because the world is too cold a place. Despite people think it's too Correct. hot, more, far more people die of cold than of heat. Correct. And so in Europe, what you have, you know, northern latitudes, you have the winter, and and winter is a visceral threat to people in Europe right now. I mean, just oh, I just, know it just is. think about, but think about how embarrassing this is. But you know, I was we're just, human beings with, we, we understand how to make it. Correct. More. But I, I was just there and you know, um, uh, I was in uh, Florence and they just had, you know, I don't know how many days, 20, plenty, 20 plus days of a hundred plus temperatures. And um, they don't really have air conditioning. I mean, their air conditioning sucks already. But they didn't ha they couldn't even turn it on. And all they talked about was, you know, the climate is changing. They weren't talking about. Um, yeah, but how about the power situation? At least the people I spoke to, they would recognize it, but they separated the two. They thought they saw energy as um, as what's fueling their cars and going to heat their house. Um, but they didn't seem um to tie that together with the summer somehow or another it's it's ominous that so much of the focus with climate is on you know man-made climate impact and not on what we can do about climate right. danger as such in part because whatever you believe about man-made climate impact you have no immediate control over this issue Correct. so you see like in california there's this focus on oh my gosh climate change is making these wildfires worse Whatever is happening there, we know how to prevent dangerous forest fires. Yes. We can do logging. We can do brush clearing. We can mm -hmm. do controlled burns. And those we can actually do. Correct. Versus, so there's this whole can't do attitude when it comes to climate. And I think it's because the green religion believes it's wrong to impact climate. And so their whole thing is let's stop sinning instead of let's solve the problem. Correct. And it's the same with air conditioning. Like if it's too hot or too cold, learn how to control temperature. This is something human beings have figured out nice. already. And Europe has been suffering for decades because they have inadequate air conditioning. So what is it going to look like for Europe? Because they just changed their standards or announced last night, I think, in the EU that they're going to they're going to overhaul the entire energy sector, which sounded scary as hell to me. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're going to do what when you do that? What's coming for them and coming for us? What does the world look like in 2030 if we stay on this road? Well, yeah, so there's a question of, so right now we've had, you know, there's been this broad green energy movement, which is primarily, as we discussed about, it's really an anti-movement. So it's not really, we have these amazing new technologies. It's we're going to restrict and limit everything that actually works and then promise to replace it. Uh, so it's primarily anti-fossil fuel, anti-nuclear movement. And the way I think of it is they've just had one or two or 3% success. So they've talked about let's rapidly eliminate it, 
But fossil fuel use is still growing around the world. And even in Europe, it hasn't shrunk that much. But even shrinking that just a little bit, it's a it's devastation. I mean, it's obviously dependence on hostile foreign powers. It's much higher consumer prices. And then I was mentioning industry. You know, you're seeing like fertilizer factories shut down. Mm. And it's it's the way to think of energy is this is the industry that powers every other industry. So yes. the pri- when the price of energy goes up, the price of everything goes up. So when right. energy is unaffordable, everything starts to become unaffordable. And we're seeing this play out. So you just think about what happens just with all the energy necessary for fertilizer. At some point, you can't afford fertilizer. If you can't afford fertilizer, that makes food more expensive. And if you can't afford, if energy is too expensive, it's expensive to run the tractors and all the machines involved. So you just, you have these increasing prices. And then at the same time, these things are never smooth, particularly because the government is involved. There's one thing prices going up in a free market where people adjust, but here it's it's really, it's a borderline fascist control where they just, and that's the scary thing about, we have this grand plan. That's mm-hmm. not what you want to hear no. from government during a thing. You want to hear like with the supply chain crisis, you want to hear, hey, we're going to liberate the supply chain, not we have a new plan for Joe Correct. Biden or his equivalent Correct. to control it. So it's this combination of scarcity of energy managed by fascism instead of freedom and that leads to all sorts of dislocations and disruptions and and tragedies i was standing in my backyard and uh and i thought about my water bill and i thought you know in california they're shutting the water down um i looked at my house and i thought what new standards are they going to come up with what new taxes are they going to come up with they are really going to price all of us, out of everything. When they say, you know, by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. This is the way that happens. And it's, you know, the the, the appeal of the you'll own nothing is maybe, oh, well, you can rent everything cheaply. But then, of course, <laughs> it's not, it's not we're going to leave you free and then you can decide what to Correct. rent things. Like, I don't own a car. I don't even drive a car, right? I ride Uber. I have somebody drive yeah. me. Like, that's great. I'm happy not owning a car. But that's a free market decision Correct. what you see like the colorado thing is a is a microcosm of what they have in mind which is you control nothing that's really Correct. it's really the control and that's why there's this movement that's actually more fascist than than socialist it's not it's like the government gets you sometimes fake own things but the government gets to control it so it's Correct. like in some way you own your home but you can't decide how much to heat or cool your home um, thank you for all of your hard work over the years um, and what you're doing. Again, I want you to uh, call your senator or your congressman or write to them and tell them, please, please talk to Alex Epstein and give him their web address or their his email address. Alex at Alex Epstein, E-P-S-T-E-I-N dot com. And uh, just say, can you meet with them? Just at least get their their five point plan. Talk to him. He'll meet with anybody for free. He's not into, you know, making the money off of any meetings. He'll meet with anybody um, in Congress or the Senate. uh, And uh, they need to. The Republicans must have a platform. This is a good platform for energy. They should just adopt this and say, Look, when we get in charge, we're going to do these five things. The problem always happens when everybody wants their name on something and they come up with 400 different platforms. And then what do they do? They just keep chiseling down and chiseling down until you get the weakest of platforms and everybody gets behind that one.
please. They need a strong platform. Here's five things that they can do. Get them to adopt this platform. At least get them to get on the phone with Alex Epstein. Alex Epstein.com. Call your senators and your congressmen and tell them to contact him. Alex, thank you. Thank you. And by the way, I'll be in D.C. next Thursday and Friday if any of the congressmen or senators wants to meet in person. Good. Let us know how this is working. I will, for sure. Thank you very much. Again, the name of the book is Fossil Future. uh, And another website that is greatenergytalkingpoints.com. It will give you, I love the fact that it's all in in tweet form. Uh, uh, So you can use these as people are talking about energy. Energytalkingpoints.com. Back in a minute. There used to be a time in this country when concepts like the customer is always right shaped the way that we did business, where companies weren't ideologically captured in the stranglehold of wokeism and fascism. Taking care of customers' needs was more important than finding ways to show your leftist credentials or your uh, favorite uh, party in office and in power. Those days are mostly gone, at least for now. But every once in a while, if you look in the right place, you'll find a company that still wants to do business the right way, the American way, and believes in the things that made us, uh, made our motto true, e pluribus unum. Somebody that will stand for the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. This is Patriot Mobile. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. I want you to switch and uh, get activation for free today with the offer code Beck. Switch your phone carriers. These guys not only give you the same service, they have better customer service. They're on the same cell towers as everybody else. They are less expensive, and they're actually fighting for the Bill of Rights. It's PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Go there now. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or call 972-PATRIOT. Stay informed. Sign up for the free newsletter today at GlennBeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck program. Well, here's some shocking news. Facebook has been spying on the private messages, private messages and data of American users and reporting them to the FBI if they express anti-government or anti-authority sentiments or question the 2020 election. This is according to a source in the Department of Justice that Facebook has been turning you in if you've even questioned the election. I wonder if that has anything to do with the other fun story about Facebook today that they have lost 60% of their value as a company in the last year. Wow. Yeah. Good. I'd like to help them yeah. lose some more. Me too. Under the FBI uh, collaboration operation, somebody at Facebook red flagged the supposed subversive private messages over the past 19 months and transmitted in redacted form to the Domestic Terrorism Operational Unit at FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. without a subpoena. Mm. It was done outside the legal process and without probable cause, said one of the sources. Facebook provides the FBI with private conversations which are protected by the First Amendment without any subpoena. The private messages have been farmed out as leads 
to the FBI field offices around the country, which subsequently requested subpoenas from the partner U.S. attorney's office in their district to officially obtain the private conversations that Facebook had already shown them. But when the targeted Facebook users were investigated by agents in a local FBI field office, sometimes using covert surveillance techniques, nothing criminal or violent turned up. What a surprise. So they are surveilling you, sometimes using uh, covert surveillance techniques. The FBI, this is what they're spending their money on? And this is what Facebook is doing to you? Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. has to be spinning in his grave right now. <laughs> uh, especially <laughs> Jr., not senior. Right. But Jr. Jr. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Spinning in his grave. This is unbelievable. Facebook users whose private communications Facebook has red flagged as domestic terrorism for the FBI were all conservative right-wing individuals. They were gun-toting, red-blooded Americans who were angry after the election and shooting off their mouths and talking about staging protests. Staging protests. When is it a problem to spout off that Mm. you're angry and stage a protest? There was nothing criminal, nothing about violence, and nothing about, nothing about massacring or assassinating anyone, said the FBI DOJ uh, informant. As soon as the subpoena was requested within an hour, Facebook sent back gigabytes of data and photos. It was ready to go. They were waiting for that legal process so they could send it. Oh, my gosh. It's not something that Zuckerberg denies, like, emphatically, that they don't do that. That your information is safe with them. Oh, yeah, and I absolutely believe that. Yeah. By the way, uh, in a statement from Facebook, these claims are false. Okay. They reflect a misunderstanding of how our systems protect people from harm and how we engage with law enforcement. We carefully scrutinize all government requests for users' information to make sure they're legally valid and narrowly tailored, and we often push back. (laughs) We respond to legal requests for information in accordance with applicable law and terms. We provide notice to users whenever permitted. Uh Uh-huh. And then we send the information directly to the FBI. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow. The Glenn Beck Program.